am I real or not? <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? That's the question. Who's asking? They are. Which one? The one, the one hey, in we, there. We have a pretty good turnout today, don't we? We do. We need one of these cameras to see who's here, who's brave enough. Look at that. Yeah. How about if we just, yeah, look at that. Can you see those guys? Wave. Yay! <laughs> nice turnout. Mm -hmm. And to think that there's some more hiding in the camera. Oh, there are a lot there. How many? Millions. I can see two. You can see two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's our reflection. <laughs> we have questions tonight. We do. We okay, do. good. The answer to the first question is yes. And the second question is also yes. Hmm. Third question is no. <laughs> I'll rearrange How am I them. doing so far? No, I don't think it is. That's <laughs> change the, that's <laughs> cheating. <laughs> change the question. Is R a good looking guy? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Do your thing. So we want to know, I'm asking on behalf of them, um, why so many people watch Science Live? Why do so many people watch Yes, that was the answer. <laughs> that doesn't work. I already answered that. Boy, There's that's so a good many. question. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure I know the answer, but I can tell you what I do know. Okay. Do you want to hear it again? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, when we started to sell us, our goal was to really help students succeed in education. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make a difference. We wanted to use the latest abilities in technology to help students learn better. And as we started getting into it, we found that many, many students wanted really good scores, but not necessarily to learn. Really learning requires effort. It's hard work. They didn't want that. They just wanted the score. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we did a lot of things to make Acellus very effective, even to accelerate the learning process but we found that unless a student is willing to do their part, it's all for nothing. The student has to become invested in the learning. And so we started coming up with ways of how we're going to get them invested. Mm -hmm. And the first idea was one very brilliant person on our staff said, you need to make learning a game. Yeah. Kids love to play games. Make it a game. Mm -hmm. And while they're playing the game, trick them into learning some things. Them. And I thought, what a great idea. <laughs> so we made some really great games, and they loved playing the games, and then when we would test them, they didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. It's hard to really get quality learning. So then we went back to the drawing board, and we tried a few different things, all with not very impressive results. And then one day, I was doing some soul searching, and I thought, you know, as I was growing up, and, and the periods of time that I really had learning spurts was when I needed the knowledge, quite often for things like the science fair. I wanted to do a project. Mm -hmm. I needed to know something to do the project. And once I needed the learning, then I, I just lapped it up. And so I figured the secret to getting students to properly be motivated and learn is to help them see why they need to. Does that make sense? It does. And so, 
that's when we started this whole strategy of learn because learning empowers you to do things. And that's why we invented Science Live. Um, we created this wonderful Cellus Academy for homeschoolers. And the idea was they would be able to study at home where they get absolutely the best education they could get no matter where they were to study. And they'd be able to get credit for it, they'd be able to get an accredited diploma, and all of that was good. Except to have an accredited diploma, you gotta have the best teachers, you have to have all of these different things to be accredited. And no matter how hard I tried to arrange it, it ended up being fairly expensive. And my goal was to make it affordable for everyone. Well, somewhere into it, we got this idea that we needed to come up with some scholarship money for students that uh, would be able to uh, work hard. Now, quite often, to get a scholarship in college, you have to have really good grades. You take your grades and you say, I'm a real good student, so they'll give you a, a scholarship, maybe half scholarship, 25% scholarship, sometimes 100%. Well, I thought, that's, that's a good idea. How do we do that in this thing? And I realized that if we just said, if you have a really good GPA, you get a scholarship, it didn't work here because we had to start. These were just starting out, there was no GPA. And so then I got this idea, what if we were to create a special program that would have tantalizing talent. <laughs> that's, not, that's what you thought. This is my thinking. Thought. It's just a figment. I didn't know this. Imagination. <laughs> tantalizing talent to get them to want to learn, to get them to understand how valuable the learning was. Yes, it's hard. It is. You know, mm -hmm. playing football is hard. Mm -hmm. and, and we're good at that in Kansas City. <laughs> but but forget that right for there. a minute. But just forget that for a minute. So all of the really, really good things that give you satisfaction are hard. Yeah. So if we, can, if we can convince them that they really should study hard because mm -hmm. it's worth it, because it's going to empower them, it's going to change their lives, it'd be great. So we came up with this idea. Well, we'll do a scholarship, but you need to tune in with us once a week, and during that time, we're going to tell you why you really want to learn. Right. Not just get a diploma, but why you really want to learn. And so we did, and I decided to appoint myself as, <laughs> as the spokesperson. Hi, you want a scholarship? Study! <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really good idea that nobody watched. Well. And, you know, I told them, if you don't watch, you don't get a scholarship. So they had what? They would watch one time. The and then they were gone. Okay, I watched. I, that, that's <laughs> enough of that. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't get very many people to, to really get into this. But then I got this oh, idea. <laughs> and boom. Yeah, I enjoyed sitting in the audience at, this, at that time. <laughs> so the moral of the story is that a lot of people are amazed that Dr. Monet is an electrical engineer. They are. Including myself. I, <laughs> really? I am shocked. You're shocked? I'm shocked. Thank you, Dr. John. But it's true because Dr. Monet was allergic to science and math when she started. That's a secret. And now she is one. 
<laughs> and I think it's pretty amazing. And what I'm finding is some of the most unlikely people that you think, oh, this is not a, exactly what I call a scholar, turn out to be the most creative. And they come up with some of the most amazing ideas and they get things done. So we started doing Science Live with the idea of helping students remember the value, the true value of education. Trying to inspire students to want the knowledge even more than the diploma. Of course, diploma's good too. Mm -hmm. and, and it's grown and grown. What is mysterious is that we don't have that many people on scholarships compared to the number of people that watch Science Live. That is true. We, that is mysterious. <laughs> Maybe the people that are watching are just robots, you know, like. like you think so? I don't think so because we have, I don't think that's all, all yeah, of they're it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but you know, the, the stuff in science is really interesting, especially yeah. when you get into it and, and you understand it. You understand it at a level where it really becomes beneficial in your life. And a lot of people that have watched Science Live just say, well, you know, it, that, that was, it wasn't too long tonight. I, I always judge Science Live by how long it is. Now, we go an hour, mm -hmm. okay? But I mean how long it seems to be. <laughs> if it seems like That's it's right. three hours, that was a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> if it seems like it was five minutes and you're disappointed it's over, then we're yeah, getting in the zone. You yeah. see what I'm saying? And fortunately with Dr. Monet, yeah. that happens more and more. <laughs> did you see that entrance tonight? I did. I like that Came entrance. in through fiber optics. Fiber optics are amazing. All yeah. those colors. Yeah, isn't that amazing? All those did colors. you know that Science Live is coming here from the Institute of Science and Technology from this auditorium? We call it the Edison Lecture Hall after our mentor Edison. It goes into the cameras, it turns it into electronics, into little bits and bytes, which means ons and offs, mm -hmm. little electronic signals. And then it goes into a fiber module. So it's transformed into light. And we send the data from here over to the data center as little pulses of light. And then when it gets to the data center, we do exactly what your thing did today. We convert the light into colors. This is, this is really true. And we have all these little lasers that shoot it out in different colors, and then they hit a prism so they all bend back into one fiber. So all the colors are going through one strand of glass. And we are able to send so much bandwidth that we can have 20 million people watching Science Live live That's coming out of that data center. Yeah, it is, oh. it is pretty neat. And that technology is the culmination of a lot of very brilliant people that have worked very hard to create their different pieces. Someone saw that if light goes through a prism, and I think Newton did some experiments like this, and it separates it out into the different colors, that's interesting. When the light gets at the destination on the other side, it hits a prism and it spreads it back out into the colors and then we take each color into a different receiver and we get all those channels over one strand of glass. And it's truly, truly, truly amazing. It's really neat. Mm -hmm. But at any rate, uh, so Science Live was a goal to improve learning. 
The whole idea of Acellus is knowledge is power, and we've got to make sure that our young people are getting charged up with that power. And the best teachers, the best methods, uh, this, this amazing thing, we could talk more about it, but vectored instruction is just shocking. But with all of those learning acceleration tools, you still have to have the student want the knowledge. Mm -hmm. Your mental attitude, your attitude about life impacts how well you learn. If you're very, very frustrated and unhappy, you're not going to learn. And so part of Acellus needed to address the social-emotional attitude of the students towards life, towards their situation, towards learning. And that's probably the day I came closest to really getting in trouble. <laughs> you, know I, you remember when I approached you and I yes, says, guess I said, what? No. No, we no. need someone <laughs> to teach a class called social-emotional learning. And I remember you asked me, what's that? <laughs> and I answered honestly, I really don't know. I don't know what it is. It doesn't seem like any two people can agree on what it is. But we need it. The kids need to have some, some training that helps them sort out things in life so that they can get a good positive attitude. And it's interesting, if I say one thing to one student that really helps them, it will mess up someone else. Everybody's different. There's no right way to say it. And I thought, this is impossible. And I thought, I know who can do impossible. <laughs> that was my most unproud An electrical engineer. And I said, hey, you've got this. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know what? You've got this. I was not proud of my attitude But then. I said, nobody really has it. Yeah. It's a thankless job. Yeah. You're going to have people that are going to criticize you and criticize you and criticize you, no matter what you That's teach. If you teach this, that half will criticize you. If you teach that, then this side will criticize you. And yet it's got to happen. It's fascinating that in some of your social-emotional lessons, you say something that kids don't agree with. I don't agree with that. I do. And in the very process of not agreeing, it helps them sort out their feelings and they become more stable. In other words, even when she says something wrong, <laughs> I love it. It makes the world better. I love it. It is, it is amazing. It so is amazing. Much. But anyway, the social it? emotional courses mm. have generated more email responses than anything else we've ever done in Acellus. And some of it's been criticism. And That's some true. of it has been praise. And I, I really like the way you take it all as constructive. And you know you have to stand for something, and and in this day and age it's all messed up, and people don't agree. When you start talking about emotional issues, mm -hmm. like you have to get into, and, and we're confronted with them. What what we'd like to in education is say, okay, we're just not going to look at that, but our students have to, yeah. and they have to be able to deal with it. And either they agree with you, or they disagree, or they're somewhere in between. But it helps them figure out where they're at and stabilize them and help them move forward. And I think it's really neat. So if you're going to succeed in, in educating young people, the first thing you've got to do is help them get emotionally stable. They've got to mm -hmm. feel stable if they're going to be able to learn. And then you've got to be able to teach them things in a way that's just amazing. And 
the thing that just really is different about Acellus than any other learning system is this thing called vectored instruction. Yeah, tell us about it. Please? About what? <laughs> VI, vectored, vectored instruction. Vectored instruction is really anything. Okay, vectored instruction had its origins when I was studying physics. Really? And they taught us about vectors. And vectors in physics are, are very, very useful to, tools. Like you talked about forces. Mm -hmm. A force is a vector because a vector is something that has a magnitude, but it also has a direction. When you talk about forces, you gotta think which direction is that force pushing it. So how strong is the force and which, which direction is it pushing? And so you get into vector analysis of forces. And I was enthralled by it. <laughs> it's just, isn't it? This is neat physics stuff. <laughs> we like this. Well, when we got into education, I realized that students go along, and then all of a sudden they hit something, and it's like a brick wall. <laughs> they run into it. They can't get through. They get up. They run it again. And finally, they get sore, and they give up. And they just can't get through. And I said, well, why can't they get through? And let's make a science of studying why these kids can't get through this particular concept. And it became very interesting. With millions of students on the cellus, we could get some pretty good data. And we started finding out, well, sometimes it's because they weren't interested. Mm -hmm. But more often, it was because they didn't have the right foreknowledge or, or requisite knowledge to be able to learn this particular topic. Lots of times, it was as simple as vocabulary. The teachers were using words the kids didn't know. And they look at it like that, and, and they're dead. Sometimes they were learning a concept that required two or three concepts before, so you know where to put them. And so I said, well, let's start studying these roadblocks, these roadblocks in education. When a student is moving along, getting stuck in a classroom, they've got a teacher there. Come and help me. Come and help me. When they're on a computer, they need to have something to help them when they get stuck. So we started developing, first of all, a tool called deficiency diagnostics. This is a tool that is triggered every time you get stuck. And I'm going to give you students that are using a cellus a little secret. <laughs> when you're doing a cellus and you run into a roadblock, what should you do? A, slam down the computer, give up. <laughs> Did they get that option? B, <laughs> B, and it turns out that the right choice is you try and try and try. Because as soon as you get stuck, the Acellus engine, that's the program that runs Acellus, immediately detects we've got a problem. That person on the second row is stuck right here. And so all of these tools swing over and start watching to find out why she's stuck. And it starts analyzing, and you have to keep trying. If you quit trying, they don't have any data. But if you keep trying, then it starts like, okay, okay, she's struggling with this concept. She's struggling with that concept. And so then it starts figuring out what instruction could we give this student to break through this brick wall? And that would be the vectored instruction. And it's really pretty magical. The results have been... Um, truly 
magical. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me give you a little bit of an example. Um, how many of you like pie? In science, in math, pie is a thing that you've heard of, and we've heard some strange things about it, but most people don't know what pie is. You know, pie. Do you like yeah. pie? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> cherry pie, exactly. Pie, we know, is a number that starts out 3.1, and then it keeps adding digits. And no matter how many digits you write down as part of the value of pi, you never run out of digits. There are pi books, literally books of pages and pages and pages of the digits after the decimal. And they just keep going and going and going. And it never comes out. Wow. It's a very, very unique and strange number. But most people don't know, well, what is it? What is the significance of it? I thought a good example to explain vectored instruction would be to serve pi. I would like it if everybody today could finish this episode of Science Live owning pi, knowing what pi, not apple pie, but mathematical pi, what it really is, what it significates, where it came from, and why it's so doggone important. Okay? okay? Some people say that pi is a magical number. It's a number that pops out of nature. And it's really, really interesting. So where do we get pi? I have used this pen to create some artwork, show people about pi. So here it is. Look at this. I have a circle. And the distance around this circle is the circumference. Now, I could get a ruler and measure it in inches, right? Mm -hmm. And the distance across this circle is the diameter. Most of us understand, if a circle's this big, then the diameter is the distance crossed at the widest point. Okay, radius is from the center out to the circle. Diameter is the distance all the way across. Circumference is the distance all the way around the circle. So now here comes the magic formula. Pi, which is this cute little symbol. Some people call it double T. Okay, <laughs> but it's pi. Okay. It's equal to the circumference divided by the diameter. So if you measure the distance around the circle and divide it by the diameter, that simple ratio is pi by definition. And no matter how big your circle is, pi is always the same. It's a property of a circle. The ratio of the diameter to the distance around is always a little more than three times. It's three times around to what it would be straight across. So if you're hiking, you just want to go straight across. You wouldn't want to go clear around, would you? That ratio then becomes magical. And the fascinating thing, it's not one of those things where if the distance around is three and the cost is one, then pi is, is three. Because the magic of this geometry is that it never comes out to be exactly just one number. When you divide, you know, if you divide 
5 into 10, the answer is 2. But if you divide 5 into 11, then it gets a little more complicated. Let's see if I can remember how to divide. 5 into 11. Hmm. So 2 times 5 is 10. Yeah, and 5 into 10 is 2. So 5 will go into 11 2.2 times. And look, it came out even because 2 times 5 is 10, 0. But if you do this with this ratio, it never comes out even. There's always a remainder left over, as many even if you do it thousands and thousands and thousands of digits. And that makes it a very, very special kind of number. And some people say that there's some magic in that. And that's where they get into sacred geometry and all of that stuff. Well, I think it's really interesting to understand that. And that leads us to things in engineering and science that we're able to create rocket ships, we're able to create bridges and things like that. Radians, not everybody that hasn't had very much math even knows what radians are. And uh, E exponentials and things of that sort. It's all coming out of this kind of stuff. And it's very, very wonderful and valuable. So pi is simply the ratio of the distance around a circle compared to the distance across. That's all it is. And yet, we are able to do things with that that are, are simply magical. So if a person doesn't know what pi is and they get a problem based on pi and they don't, they don't have an understanding of it, they're stuck. And the only way they go forward is you change to another class or you fill them in. You feed them a pie. You, you help them <laughs> learn about it. So the idea of vectored instruction is to come in and help them fill in to where they can go forward. Now, vectored instruction is implemented widely in Acellus. And so when you run into a problem, you just keep doing your best, doing your best, and the system adjusts. And you'll be surprised how it will help you get through it. And we watch the data on different students, and you run into a, an obstacle, a place where you can't get through, it is able to diagnose what things you're missing. It goes out and it gets instruction that isn't even part of this class. And it fills in the blanks for you. Maybe it was something that you were on vacation when they taught it in your last class or three years ago. It fills it in and then all of a sudden you come back and we see you going forward again. It really, really, really is magical. And it's one of the reasons that the schools, the big schools that are using to sell us are seeing such tremendous increase in outcomes. Graduation rates, standardized test scores going way up. And one of the big differences is students' attitudes are changing. If you as a student ever get to the point where you say, I'm stupid, you're not going to learn. You've got to believe in yourself. And there is no better way to believe in yourself than having success. When you start having success and start moving forward, you know, well, this isn't so hard. I could do this. Then your whole attitude changes. And Tobias was, was talking about, you know, what kind of a day is it? How good's the weather? Well, I'll tell you what. How good the day is depends an awful lot on how good you feel about yourself. 
What kind of day? Oh, it's a great day. It's freezing. It's like I said, it's a great day. <laughs> it changes everything. And that's why I feel like getting a cell is perfect is just right. So when you run into something you struggle with, keep trying. Try, 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 try. And interestingly, if a cellist is not able to find the problem and fix it for you, it sends off all these alarms. Mm. And there's a whole team over there that <laughs> starts scampering around. We got a student that's stuck and they can't get unstuck. What are we going to do? Yeah. And then two days later, if they haven't found it, I'm done. Hey! <laughs> One of my favorite students is stuck. What are you doing? I've and, seen that. Mm -hmm. I've seen you do and that. And by the way, I really like doing that. <laughs> uh, the guy heading up that team is a, is a guy named Matthew. Yeah, he's a yeah. pretty good guy. <laughs> and he's my favorite guy to pick on. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's so sweet about it. Yeah, he I just is. loved him. And he really gets going. He goes, Matthew, <laughs> I thought you cared about these kids. <laughs> Away he goes. <laughs> yeah, his, his whole team. Oh, no. <clears throat> We're having one of those days. All right. So, anyway. So, the five minutes have gone, and we're basically out of time. But I would really oh. like to know what that is. That is circumference. <laughs> Can't you see it? I, I should have known that. <laughs> yeah, that, that is circumference. This is the magic shape it's pretty. from whence cometh circumference. This is a, is a blue ball, uh -huh. and um, when I look at this, it makes my eyes look blue. <laughs> Your eyes are blue. And then I look up, and I think the sky's blue, and it's all because of this ball. <laughs> that, that's the thing that does yeah, it. Huh? It does it. But you know, I borrowed this ball from a piece of art in mm. the living room at my home, and there's this big white vase, or I call it a vase, mm -hmm. and, and this ball was my addition to the vase, and it, and it floats there. It floats. It floats there, and, and it is a magical shape. This is a sphere. That means that from any point on this shape, it's exactly the same distance to exactly the center. That is the definition of a sphere. I didn't know that. And it also means that the distance around is pi times the distance through. Mm -hmm. So this is a representation of pi, a sphere. It's pretty magical. It is. Yeah. It's neat. And it's also very beautiful. I really think that um, the power of things like knowledge has got our world to where we are today. But where we are today is but a tiny point on the timeline that gets so much more amazing and so much better. Um, I'm not very old in my head, in the way I act. But anyway, <laughs> but in my lifetime, I have seen so many things change in science. And I really, 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 really think it's neat. When I started building my very first computer, the Billings computer, model BC12FD, that was the first time in my life I had any money. 
Uh, before that, I used to say the first time I ever had money was when I was very young and I went door to door to my neighbors and shine shoes. <laughs> 10 cents a pair, mm -hmm. yeah. which is big money. But after that, it was when I built that computer. And when I built that computer, if somebody would walk on static carpet and then touch the, the computer, <laughs> they'd fry it. Electronics were so sensitive to a, a electrostatic discharge, to a spark, that if you would shock the keyboard, it'd fry the computer. And today, we can shoot bolts of lightning through and the electronics just say, hey, it didn't bother me. <laughs> and it, it is amazing how far electronics have come and how many things we can do. The Billings computer that came out in 1977 one of the very, very, very first personal computers had email. That's amazing. We literally had email. And you say, well, wait a minute. How do you send an email to someone if you don't have an internet? Mm -hmm. Good question. And we didn't have an internet. How did you do it? But we did have email. <laughs> so we did have the Billings word processor that actually won a lot of awards. It was something that I really put a lot of effort into. So you type a letter. And then you'd email it to someone. But there's no internet, so what you do, you get a special telephone, a place where you can put the handset. Mm -hmm. well, telephones used to have a, a hearing thing <laughs> and a speak thing, you know. Yeah. You stick it in here. So you take the phone, you dial the person you want to send the email to. Mm -hmm. Say, hi, I'm sending you an email. They say, oh, okay, just a minute. And they'd put their phone in their modem. Then you put your phone in the modem. And if you listen to it, go beep beep. Put it in there. And then the two, they'd have to have a Billings computer on the other end, too. And they would hook all up. And then it would start sending the email mm -hmm. over the telephone electronically. And yeah, it, it would just whip it through. They worked at what we call 300 baud. And for some of you guys that know what that means, that would be not very fast. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked, beep, and it would just do it with tone. Beep, 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 beep. And then when it was done, pick it up. Did you get it? Okay, hey, hey. And they say, why don't you just tell me? Oh, no, I'm doing email. <laughs> Someday this is going to be big. It's like back in the future. And we <laughs> called it email. It really is like back we in the future. We called it email. <laughs> It is? Yeah. Jaws 14? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> anyway. So it's amazing how far technologies have come. I started out with vacuum tubes. And I could tell you a lot of stories about vacuum tubes. Vacuum tubes, remember, would amplify a signal. All radios had vacuum tubes. And I go get the old broken radios buy them real cheap because they didn't work at the second-hand store, bring them home, take the tubes out, go down to what was then the Radio Shack, mm -hmm. and they had a tube tester. I put the tubes in, and it would test them. I'd find out one or two of the tubes was bad. I'd get a tube from another radio that was good, put it in the one that was bad, and I'd get them working. So now I had a bunch of radios in my basement that would all work. What are you going to do with those? Well, in those days, and this now is back in the 
early 60s, 1960s. Holy smokes, who was alive back then? Moses and me. <laughs> anyway, we actually the bought best. these big rolls of wire. It was military intercom wire that had been left over, and some of them were like 5,000 feet long, and you could buy them for a dollar. I get these big rolls of wire, take it home, and my young scout buddies and I would hang it on trees. Once in a while, we had to borrow a telephone pole oh and back it up. You know, he's crossed the road. You got to keep you it high so that. the trucks. Are, and we hooked up all of our houses, and then I hooked them into these radios. I got a little teeny crystal microphone. And we could call each other around our neighborhood. You were just born smart, weren't you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> actually, actually, that wasn't too smart. And, and I don't recommend it. I, I could tell you some of the downside stories, but our ratings would definitely go down. It's 8 o'clock. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're out of time. <laughs> yeah. But at any rate, it is interesting to see how those tubes became obsolete. I was in elementary school one day, and another student came to school with a little teeny radio, had two transistors. I'd never heard of a transistor before. But here was a little radio in his hand, no wire, no plug, and he was playing music. <laughs> and I was going downstairs, he was coming up the stairs, and I saw let me see it. <laughs> it changed the world. It just, it's so amazing. And then we took that, those two transistors and put 10 and 20 and 30 in one little chip. And then we put a whole microcomputer in one chip. And it was just fun to see this all evolve. And some of my ideas started popping into the technology at many places. And I really feel that I've been able to contribute to the evolution of technology in hydrogen energy, which of course, you know, for 10 years, everybody laughed at me in the idea there would be hydrogen cars. A lot of people are still laughing, but people are starting to realize, wow, that's a good idea. He was just 50 years off on when it was time. <laughs> you know, well, it's pretty close <laughs> in you know, galactic times. But the bottom line is you have the opportunity to move the juggernaut of technology forward in this world. And if you're going to do it, you need to program the gray matter in your onboard computer. You have consciousness. Chat GPT doesn't. You have consciousness. You have the real power to create, to solve the problems, to do big things. And our mission is to empower you with the very, very best tools we can. We're going to work hard at that. But it doesn't work if you don't do your part. You have to realize the opportunity you have. You have to want it, and you have to then apply yourself. Don't study to get a diploma. Study to get knowledge. A diploma is something you can hang on the wall and that's nice. And complete your studies so you get your diploma. But it's what you learn that's going to change the world. And I'm 
looking forward to a really exciting future. So come on, guys. <laughs> and you get the last word. Everything you said is awesome. <laughs> that was shallow. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to hear a comment from our students? Are you changing the subject? <laughs> okay, yes, that's just what I was hoping for. This is from Nicholas. Nicholas, hi Nick. I used to be stuck in school and when I started using Acellas, the help videos helped a lot, especially in math. And they have taught me a lot more in a shorter amount of time than nearly everything I learned in grade school, public school. Thank you. You know what? That means the world to me. Yeah. I would do all of this again to get that one comment from Nick. And you know what? He's gonna make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Now you just got to become like him, okay? <laughs> See you next time. Thank you.